Hi, this is Lisa, and you are listening to I Love That Movie. This podcast is for movie lovers. It's not an unbiased opinion. It's not a straightforward review. It's just a couple people talking about a movie that they love. The format is each week I have a guest, and that guest and I discuss a movie that they love, something they're obsessed with, something they connect with. We'll talk about the plot, the director, and the actors, but we'll also talk about the personal connection my guest has with that movie. So if that sounds like something you want to listen to, keep listening. Hey guys, listening to an episode of I Love That Movie. I'm Lisa, and if you want to catch up with me on Twitter, you can follow me under AYA Lisa Cosplay. I'm also on Instagram under AYA and as a Nancy AMI Lisa. We've also got a Facebook page you can follow and a Facebook group if you want to join us and discuss your favorite films judgment free. Uh, the group is closed, but just search I Love That Movie and I'll add you if you send me a request. It's just a safe space for movie lovers to discuss their favorite films. Um, My only rule in that group, guys, is keep it positive. And if you like what you heard today, please subscribe and rate the show. It helps get the word out. And if you happen to leave a positive review on iTunes, you're entered to win an automatic, you are automatically entered. You're automatically, automatically entered. I think that's true. Automatically. You're automatic. It's all automated. Automated. (laughs) No, but uh, you will be entered to win a $20 gift card to a movie theater chain of your choice. Via robot. Yeah. A robot will carefully select the most deserving winner. The winner. But it's automated. Automated. (laughs) Yeah. Automatically. Lean into the mic, please. So you just heard the voice of the guest for this week. It's a returning guest. You've heard it many times before. No, I don't. I don't think they have. I see him every day. I've, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> I wake up next to this man. I'm always creeping. <laughs> this is Nick. Say hi, Nick. Hi, Nick. Hey. Does that joke ever get old? Because we're both like in the same room and we're so close to the mic. I don't know why, but I'm automatically thinking about that SNL skit. Shorty balls. Shorty, oh. mm, I can't mm. wait. <laughs> I don't even want to say it because you say it. <laughs> just kidding okay we're also staring at each other trying to make mm, each other laugh they're salty <laughs> why is one lopsided <laughs> i left it on the the stove too long <laughs> okay anyway <laughs> go look it's at it christmas <laughs> it's christmas it's a christmas episode merry christmas uh we haven't started drinking anything yet but we may imbibe while we record this episode because of the episode we're or the movie we're talking about. Yeah. So you need it. In case you haven't heard this podcast ever, I'm sorry. <laughs> and in case you haven't heard my guest on this podcast ever, I'm sorry. He's, we're sorry again. But Nick's been on the show several times. Uh, he's a very convenient stand in guest because he lives here. Some people might complain too many. I don't, I didn't want to say anything, <laughs> but I have received some DMs that uh, complain about you. No, I don't. <laughs> Uh, obviously I always love having you and, uh, we, uh, the movie that we're going to talk about, I'll introduce that movie in a moment. Um, can't wait, can't wait. Uh, we just saw this recently and I thought, Hey, it's almost Christmas. Like we should talk about it. In um, theaters. In theaters. It was really we did. fun. 
Uh, Nick, why don't you go ahead and introduce the movie that we're about to talk about? Well, we're going to talk about, um, I'm pretty sure everyone would consider it a classic. And if you don't, you're a damn fool. Um, it's a very funny one. Just the, the timing of all the jokes is perfect because of just the group that makes it. It is National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Yep, it's the third installment in the uh, National Lampoon's Vacation series. Which I did not know that until yeah. earlier. I thought it was Vacation, then Christmas Vacation. Right, this movie... I, oh, go ahead, I sorry. didn't realize um, Euro Vacation was the second one. I thought that came much later, but I was wrong. I feel like it's confusing because they recast the kids so many times that... Yeah, because the yeah. kids are... I want to say the youngest I in do this, think they're in the youngest in Christmas Vacation. yeah. Maybe maybe younger in the first one, but definitely the age difference is much bigger in this one. Yeah. But we were just watching that one thing saying the first one, they were closer in age. Mm-hmm. But this, I mean, I feel like it's mostly about like um, Clark. So he stays, but they can kind of move other characters around. Right. He's basically the, the front runner, obviously. Uh, okay, so let's start off with some questions here. Uh, when... I don't know the answer to any of them. Well... I might. Make them up. Okay. <laughs> and make all them believable. All these answers are lies. <laughs> these are all lies. Uh, when did you first see this movie? I'm assuming you didn't see it in theaters because you would have been like four years old. No, I, I didn't see it in theaters, but I do remember seeing it very, not very, like two or whatever, but really young. Um, I think it's just my, my parents were like, oh, it's a classic. You can watch it. And I remember, I think what stood out to me was as a kid, I thought the little cartoon opening sequence was really funny. So that kind of drew me in, and then I ended up watching the whole movie. That's kind of a thing for a while, right? Like, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids had that. They all had, like, a little animated movie. or It, it essentially shows you what's going to happen in the movie. They'll have, like, little sneak peeks and, like, Easter eggs of what's going to happen throughout the film. Yeah, that was, like, a super 80s thing. Um, So how old did you say you were when you saw it? I... I don't know exactly, but I want to say probably anywhere between like five to seven, five to eight, maybe. So I didn't understand hardly any of the jokes, but I mean, it's, it has a small amount of slapstick in it to where it held my interest as a child. And then I've, I've watched it over and over throughout the years and it, it, I mean, we don't have kids, but it gets funnier as you get older. You don't have to have kids because you just you understand everything this family's going through. As I say, every single time you're on the show, this is one of those movies that I was aware of growing up. I'm sure it was on TV sometimes, but I never really sat down and watched it until we started dating. I'm sorry slash welcome. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, this is definitely one of the movies you introduced me to. Um, I had my own Christmas classics. I think growing up, I watched a lot of, you know, A Christmas Story. That's really good, too. Really good. Um, I love the movie Elf. I would love to talk about that sometime. I did see that one in theaters. Yeah, I saw that one in theaters. So it was like, what, oh, oh, two? I think it was more, was it really that long ago? Oh, four. Let's look it up. Because we can't. We can. We're interneting. Right now. I'm I'm interneting. I'm a podcaster. 2003, you weren't far off. I was, I, what did I say, like 0204? Yeah, so I mean, I was like out of high school. So I was point. 100% right then. Uh, yeah. If we're meeting in the middle. Okay. okay 
<laughs> That's close enough. If that makes you feel better, you are 100% right. So from now on, I'm going to say, you know, like anywhere it's uh, like between 5 and 37. Right. And when it's like 19 or whatever, I'm, I'm right. I'll say you're 100% right. right. <laughs> okay. So yeah, I saw Elf. I loved Elf. I loved... Um, that was you know, a good one. Miracle um, on 34th Street. That's good. Yeah, we watched the original, uh, was it two nights ago? Yeah, two nights ago. Yeah. Um, I mean, everyone, li- I liked um, Nightmare on Elm, or not Nightmare, I always say that. I well, like, you do like that one. I do like that one. I talked about that movie. Uh, I like uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. That one's kind mm-hmm. of fun. Um, and dare we say the uh, the controversial one? You know what? Is it or isn't it? Say it. Just say it. Die Hard. Yeah. I think it's a Christmas movie. I think so. I'm not trying to be edgy Bruce Willis. difficult. He's just, it's just he's a just Christmas. an actor. He doesn't yeah. know what he's talking about. He's just an actor. Just play the part. Just, just playing the part. He's not really John McClane, okay? No. Um, but yeah, so I those are the movies I grew up with. It's a Wonderful Life. Forgot to include that, that one. That one's good, yeah. I like that. Um, but yeah, so like this one, I never really, I don't know why. It just didn't like appeal to me. I didn't try to see it. And then we watched it as an adult. And I actually feel like because I watched it as an adult, it was even funnier the first time. Yeah, I feel like this would, it's, it was probably parents in what, 89 when they, they, this movie came out, they're probably like, oh my God, they captured the Christmas holiday perfectly. I yeah. mean, it's wonderful and everything, but there's so many like, hang-ups and things that go wrong and just terrible things also that most people overlook when they say oh it was, it was a wonderful christmas yeah and i feel like after seeing it i liked it so much that it's become a tradition for us we watch it every year yeah. and if not every year we watch it at least every other year i think i don't know if we watched it last year but no, this year was really cool because we got to see it in theaters that was really fun yeah we saw it at uh, alamo draft house you guys might have seen my um tweets or you know instagram post or facebook but yeah we went to a hopped up cinema which i think we've talked about on the show before but if you haven't gone to a hopped up um, cinema i think last time i was on we we were doing the nightmare on elm street and we had probably a year or two before gone to the hopped up cinema for that in fact most of the movies you pick (laughs) happen to be hopped up cinema related because nick is also a beer aficionado he loves beer craft beer specifically and um so every month uh alamo draft house does a hopped up cinema and what they do is they pick a uh they pick a brewery and that brewery picks a movie and usually the brewery will come to the theater they'll speak before the movie they'll have a special drink for the movie a special beer a commemorative glass um over the years i feel like that's slowly turned into they don't always have a special beer and the glass might not have artwork from the movie but it's still like a cool glass you get to take home it's a good deal it's a good deal like this time i think it was what was it 25 bucks yeah i mean i feel like it's always been about 20 to 25 and um you get to see the movie uh, the, the brewers are there or someone from the brewery. Um, and you get the, the pint glass, which has, is this just an ad? Are we trying to get like promoted by Alamo? <laughs> I, I do want to say on the show that even though I talk about Alamo all the time, I just love it. Like I do not get yeah, paid. We're not getting paid. It we would just, be great a, if I did. It's a fun place. It's but really I just, fun. I don't know. No, I like, I like talking about this event because I feel like enough people don't go to it. Like. Yeah, people need to go. Big. Okay, so where do I leave off? You get you get the pint glass that you get to take home. It's full of beer, and then you get four other. I'm doing air quotes tasters, but they're like 
12 ounce glasses. If you plan on drinking all these, please consider Uber or Lyft. <laughs> like it's, yeah, it's, you know, they are craft beers or beer. higher ABV. So, yeah. Yeah. So essentially like five, it's, yeah, it's usually about five normal size beers that they call tasters. But it's, it's a lot of fun. You get to have a whole smorgasbord of different beers and, and the movie and they tell you why they picked it and everything. It's it's a lot of fun. In this time, it was, uh, the brewery was called 903, is 903, that right? 903 up in Sherman, Texas. Yeah, and so... Close to the Oklahoma border, I think. Yeah, they have a special relationship with Alamo because um, back when Alamo opened in Dallas, they were one of the first places that Alamo served their beer. Like, it was one of the first places that they had draft and i think they they said they also opened around the same time so i guess oh, when okay. both brewery and alamo well at least here in dallas because alamo's been around a lot longer maybe when they they first opened maybe it was like a one of their first contracts with uh with 903 yeah and they say they routinely come down during the christmas holiday yeah so they get that christmas slot every year and i just think that's really cool that's very like grassroots supporting local business yeah, it's kind of and... like they're they're not related but it's it's christmas time it's all about family and it's kind of like uh they've they've made family with alamo and 903 they're like a big family now it's, that's kind of what i got when they were up there talking to the the uh the guy from alamo and then the the brewer and his wife from 903 it seemed like they really knew each other it was it was a lot of fun that's a total tangent but um it can be edited down (laughs) or slowed down so it sounds like we're talking about it longer yeah i mean i'm sure my audience would love that i a very slow episode yeah i i don't know how that would play but yeah, so I mean, I don't know. I just, I, I like telling you guys about this kind of stuff because I, I'm always preaching about this event because I think it's like super exciting. A lot of people really love craft beer. People love movies. And I, I just think putting the two together and it being such a good deal, like get down there. And yeah, once again, I do not have any sponsorship whatsoever with Alamo. But but she wouldn't. But shout out, like yeah. I wouldn't turn it down. So just saying like, so back to the movie. Okay. Yeah, I guess. Let's go back to the to what we're talking about. Next here, I'm going to go ahead and read the uh, synopsis of the movie, and then we'll kind of dive into a couple quick facts. It's Christmas time, and the Griswolds are preparing for a family seasonal celebration. But things never run smoothly for Clark, his wife Ellen, and their two kids. Clark's continual bad luck is worsened by his obnoxious family guests, but he manages to keep going, knowing that his Christmas bonus is due soon. That's what he thinks. That's what she said. No. (laughs) Good one, Lisa. Dumb. Okay, so let's jump into a couple quick facts here. So the movie is based on a John Hughes short story, Christmas 59, the second vacation story to be published in National Lampoon's magazine, the first one being Vacation 58, which was the basis for uh, National Lampoon's family vacation uh, in 1983. And the Christmas story was printed in December 1980. The label on the home movie reel that Clark found in the attic was labeled Xmas 55, a further allusion to this fact. Yeah. And I I don't want to take us too far away, but since we are kind of talking about National Lampoon, um, I learned a lot from the the Netflix original movie, uh, uh, Feudal and Stupid Gesture. Mm -hmm. That was really good. it's, It's funny... And it has a bunch of really good actors in it portraying like the the National Lampoon guys and a lot of the the actors that they used. And that was, I don't know, it was really fun. I I saw it, it piqued my interest and I didn't really think much of it. And then we just had a night with 
nothing going on, so we watched it, and it was really good. No, yeah, Cosine. Uh, Will Forte plays the main character, one of the... I don't yeah. want to spoil anything, because I think for people our age, we don't know a lot about the history of uh, National Lampoon's magazine. Like when magazine. it originally was a magazine, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, like, it's kind of cool to see all that, and just, um, it's very... Uh, very interesting, very poignant. Uh, yeah, it's it's a good watch. It's, it's funny, really good. It's I, I recommend that. Yeah, it's it's yeah. got all ends of the spectrum. You get to hit some highs and lows and everything, but it's really good. I I really do recommend that. Yeah. Since this is the first uh, National Lampoon movie that we're doing on your podcast, right? That's true. Yeah, we should do more. There but more. yeah, there's a bunch of other really good ones. Mm -hmm. No, totally agree. Yeah, um, go watch that. That's really good. We can do that one later too. But I was surprised, like in researching this, that uh, that you know John Hughes wrote for National Lampoon magazine. That that's probably in the documentary you're talking about, and it just it was saw over it my a, head. a long time ago. Uh, probably five or six months ago, if yeah. not longer, when it came out. I think I was so focused on the main character, and the main character isn't John Hughes. So yeah. Anyway. Um, you know, if you don't know who John Hughes is, um, you know, you, I'm sure you've seen his work because you've seen Pretty in Pink, uh, Breakfast Club, uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Um, you know, he was a huge part of the 80s. And so, yeah, I didn't realize that he wrote this. Um, also had another quick fact that uh, the guy that was supposed to direct this movie was the guy that directed Home Alone, which is also a John Hughes film. Didn't realize that that was written by him. Uh, I think his name is Chris Columbus. Yeah. yeah. He did the Harry Potter movies, too. Yeah, the first two. First two. Yeah. Uh, he did not want to do National Lampoon's Christmas because he didn't want to work with Chevy Chase. Chevy Chase. He's which... a hilarious guy, probably because I don't know him. Right. He has I a I love reputation. his work, but I'm pretty sure everyone knows he's difficult to work with. Right. But, like I said, I don't know him, so I can just enjoy his work. And I love Chevy Chase movies like this Seriously, one. Seriously, yeah. Um, Caddy. Oh, no. Do we do Caddyshack? We've never done Caddyshack. Oh, we haven't done Caddyshack. Okay. We should, though, because that's, well, that's like... Well, that's a National Lampoon one. That one's really good. That was um, supposed to be part of our wedding. It was. They were supposed to play <laughs> Kenny Loggins. I'm still bitter. I'm all right when they announce us, and they didn't. They didn't. And we, didn't. Were, we were looking I was standing around. at the doorway waiting. They're like, come on, go in. I'm like, no, he's not playing Kenny Loggins. I can't go in there yet. <laughs> ruined the wedding well we should like renew our vows and just play it on an endless loop <laughs> okay. a lot of stuff didn't happen on our wedding day like i hope like i thought nicholas cage was gonna marry us our ring bearer was gonna be an alligator yeah our we wedding... were gonna be catapulted into giant cakes right <laughs> these are actually things we've talked about yeah when we first sat down to discuss our wedding uh, we had a lot of ideas yeah it got whittled down to a regular wedding but <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. we should have had the kenny loggins thing though that was really That's unfortunate one thing yeah but uh but yeah def uh we definitely need to do more chevy chase movies like um one of my favorites i think it's underrated is fletch he actually talked about that so um yeah you know we 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 talk about stuff out of order but um so chevy chase in this movie he said that this character griswold was like really easy to slip into um that uh Harold Ramey really helped him with that. Mm -hmm. He kind of acted it out for him and told him, like, this is how it's supposed to be. And so he kind of slipped into it really quick and really enjoyed that. He said it was harder to be Fletch, actually. So well, if, I feel like the Fletch character, I mean, he's a he's a detective and a, a man of many faces. So he's a, a lot of he plays a lot of different characters. But yeah, I, I really liked Fletch. That was pretty funny, too. But yeah, we should do like um, some more Chevy Chase movies. I agree. 
Well, uh, the term Griswold House soon became part of the American vernacular to describe any house that is overly decorated in a gaudy fashion to observe Christmas. Yep, and I am currently wearing my Griswold pajama pants. So, uh, last last quick fact I have is, despite being a Christmas movie, in air quotes, because we're doing that now. We do, I think I've already said that, but we have to say that, because you guys can't see us doing right. that. Right. Uh, Christmas Day is never seen in this movie. Uh, the, the movie ends on Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm, yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I, I feel like they're implying that by, I mean, it's like a, what is it, it's about a week because I think it starts on like the, the 18th or something is what it says, or I can't remember. It, it there, There's dates in the movies as, as each day goes on. I feel like it's just a like shit show up until then. And then finally, spoiler, they do have a really nice Christmas. Yeah, I don't know why you would listen to this podcast if you haven't seen the movie, but please go see it first. You've had... <laughs> 29 years to see it yeah longer 28 years some of you have been alive so please see it we're allowed Um, to talk about it now. the spoiler wall is lifted (laughs) open the floodgate (laughs) yeah here we go i'm gonna tell you what i really think okay so next let's talk a little bit about the director jeremiah s uh chichek 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 nick i'm sorry no it's okay um i'm sure you never got that Never. <laughs> never. He's never heard that. Uh, he's a Canadian director. Uh, he did this movie, also Benny and June, and unfortunately was also nominated as the worst director uh, by the Razzies for Avengers and as a remake of Psycho. I have strong opinions on being terrible to filmmakers, but anyway, yeah. So I, I think it, it sucks that because of a couple Razzies, it's like he kind of dropped off the face of things over that uh i think this movie is great i think yeah, he did really good yeah he, he did an incredible job directing it um i haven't seen benny and june in a long time but i feel like i think benny and june was pretty it was good, a good too. movie yeah he he did some really good stuff so i really appreciate him and kudos to him for being able to put up with chevy chase <laughs> yeah i mean that's why he's working on it right um so so yeah i just wanted to mention that really quick um also, I think you wanted to talk a little bit about Chevy Chase again. Yes. Um. Well, I yeah, I said that right after I covered a bunch of his movies, but I've I've kind of I mean I know, like I said, I'm I'm kind of revisiting the thing. It's like I know he's he's difficult to work with, but I I do really enjoy his work. Um. He's kind of like Steve Martin for you. I feel like. Well, I like Steve Martin a lot too. But yeah, but, but I yeah, mean, I like, feel like someone you grew up for with some reason. Yeah, I feel like I saw a lot of Chevy Chase movies when I was growing up. So I'm just kind of I like him a lot. And it's it's one of those things I know he's he's a pain to work with, but I like him and I'm never going to meet him. So I can enjoy his work. He's perfect um, in this movie, I think. I don't know. It, it's 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 a pretty solid character. It's a very real character. Yeah. Like um, a lot of a lot of mov- these movies are like. The, the dad that's trying to make the perfect Christmas is like barf inducing wholesome or whatever. Yeah, so and he's like, like super handsome and young and like he seems like middle age and like goofy yeah, and he's, dad he's, humor, dad bod. He like, doesn't yeah. always do the right thing. Like we'll get into the scene where he's like talking to that one like sales lady at the store. But no, I just, I, I like him. I like the performances he gives. They're always really good. I feel like from his early movies to some of his more recent ones, I've I've always enjoyed his work. 
No, I completely agree. I think um, he talked about this character a little bit in a behind-the-scenes video I was watching, and he said, like, Griswold thinks that he's, you know, like, destined for greatness, that there's so much potential, and he's he's going places, but he kind of, he's kind of a loser, and, like, he's yeah. just not self-aware. Well, it's kind of like you just, you said a, a while ago, he's a very, he's an average Joe. Yeah. But he tries so hard to do these, like, fantastical things for his family. Right, and for himself. Which is admirable. He sees himself as greater yeah. than he is. And I think that's really funny and very relatable and humbling. And yeah, I, I really like that about the character. Which um, I, I feel like the first vacation, the, the movie poster captured it perfectly, where he's like this like great savior. It's like the classic, like the, the Star Wars poster where Luke yeah. is like holding <laughs> up the lightsaber and there's like the, the Leia's at his leg or whatever. But... I feel like he sees himself as that poster. Yeah, and I feel like the whole movie has this self-awareness of like, I don't know, it's like, I mean, I think as an adult, like like you were saying earlier, the movie just gets better with time because you have this greater understanding of how, I think as a kid, like I always felt like my parents were so annoying and they were being so fake. And, and you never know why they're doing what they're doing. Yeah, and they're like, like oh, they forcing were... family togetherness. And yeah, they don't want to see them either. Right. <laughs> <laughs> love you family no but it, it's kind of like as an adult you realize like this is like the one day a year where we can all get together and we have to make the most of it even if we have differences yeah. or you know maybe we don't get along all year whatever we got to put that stuff aside and create the perfect christmas and in a way we're all sort of creating that perfectness for like the next generation and even though we don't have kids um and we, we don't do, do this for this our dogs room. well i don't think we I mean, do you think they have the perfect Christmas? They're, we bought them jackets this year. <laughs> they look very comfortable. Okay, well, I'm just saying. Like, but, I understand trying to recapture and reclaim that feeling. It's a little bit for the kids, but it's it's for you too. And Oh, yeah. As, as a child, yeah. you never know when it's a bad... Because as a kid, every Christmas is great. Right. Like, uh, I mean, you don't know when your parents are like struggling to buy you that perfect christmas gift or like the the in-laws are fighting with your your parents and everything you don't notice that as a kid it's like perfect but it's funny because i think every christmas even if there is drama when you look back on it you look through such rose-colored christmas yeah no matter how bad it is you usually have a good time for christmas um kind of rewinding a little bit I, i i just like how clark always fails miserably at whatever he's trying to do but he's so surprised every time that happens <laughs> that's true <laughs> he'll like like fuck up royally and like can't believe what happened even though he like <laughs> messed up eight times earlier that day also right every time being as big of a surprise he's got this endearing like self-deprecating quality but at the same time he's so unaware of that it's like he apologizes when he messes up and he's kind about that, but he doesn't realize that he's been doing that the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess, I guess that was kind of like a, um, a mix of Chevy Chase and Clark. Well, since, since we, we pretty much covered Chevy Chase slash Clark, should we talk about, um, Ellen, his wife? Cause I don't know. I feel like a lot of times in these movies, the wife is just kind of like, downplayed but she has some like some of the perfect like comedic like timing um 
not necessarily lines, but like she's hilarious in this movie. Because mm-hmm. I guess in, in character wise, she like she knows Clark is kind of a goofball. Right. Yeah. Beverly D'Angelo. You you get the feeling that uh, that Ellen. Well, I mean, they kind of imply in the movie that she came from a higher social standing yeah. and that being with Griswold is dating down. I think there's a lot more. Uh, there's a lot more uh, clues on that later in the movie with Griswold's family, but um, yeah. but yeah, and, and that's a classic, you know, conflict there with like two different families and being from two different places. And I, I do think the one unbelievable thing about the movie is he always acts like in these films, like she's so plain and he's looking for oh, something better. Gorgeous. And I'm like, she's really hot. Like her outfits are very like plunging neckline. Like I would never attend a Christmas <laughs> celebration dress like that. But maybe if I look like beverly i would i don't know but yeah so yeah it's it's just funny because like every time clark messes up she's not surprised she like tries to like condole him the best she can but she's like "Mm, yeah i saw this coming i think she's very gracious and doting without being dumb because i feel like that's i feel like that's one great thing about this movie even for its age is like they're equals like She's she knows what's happening, but she kind of lets Clark make his own mistakes. And like I I don't know I just I like I like their dynamic. It, yeah. it really works. Well, she's kind of doing what Clark does in a way because yeah. like he's constantly trying to save the vacation. He's constantly trying to save Christmas, and by extension, she's supporting him and doing the same. Yeah, thing. Yeah, she wants him to have the best vacation or the best Christmas, so she's just trying to help him achieve that, even if she knows the way whatever is going to happen is going to happen poorly she's like well this is what he wants so shut up kids just let your dad do this <laughs> i i wanted to look through her um her background really quick to see like what else i, I always, recognize I her from forget, because but she's she's in so much stuff that i've seen i just i always forget because i don't know I, I feel like i just don't watch a ton of the movie she's in all right well do you want to jump into the plot of the movie yeah, sure. Okay. Uh, go ahead. Just list some of your favorite scenes, and we'll just kind of like, um, talk about that. I guess we can start. The, I mean, the begin. It starts off like on a high, like the um, the road rage scene in the beginning, where he's like mad that these 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 like yokels in that big old truck are trying to pass him, and then just gets them in that trouble where they end up under that giant log uh, trailer. Um, once again. I feel like Ellen knows something bad's about to happen, but she just lets him do it. She's like, <laughs> yeah, she's right. a very understanding wife, yeah. And then they—that's uh, where they—they they finally get out from under there and crash into the the tree lot or whatever you want to call it. But then, of course, they like hike through all the snow for miles to cut down the perfect tree. I love how like irritated the children are by this because i do oh, feel like yeah. kids don't want to do that <laughs> they probably the kid the boy probably wants to be home like playing video games or whatever and the girl wants to probably be home talking to her friends or something it was the 80s yeah on, or maybe reading comic books telephone. i don't he probably didn't have a ton of video games in the 80s. maybe an atari <laughs> 6400 yeah, like, I, I like that scene because I feel like there's so many things your parents make you do as a kid. Like, one thing my parents always made me do. And you can't get out of it. No. So like, you, you're going to do it anyway. It is like two parents making their kids do something Christmas related that they know they'll hate, but they're hoping that they will look back on fondly. And plus, it's just a very funny scene with, like, his daughter 
uh, Juliet Lewis, which I did not realize that was Juliet Lewis. Yeah, she <laughs> looks very different she's in very this young. movie than any other movie she's been in. Yeah, and her, when her eyebrows freeze. <laughs> oh yeah, her her eyes are frozen. Oh, uh, that's what Ellen says. Like Audrey's eyes are frozen. Um, you know, we we didn't touch on um on Rusty. He's um. Johnny Galecki. Johnny Galecki, which is a uh, Leonard from Big Bang Theory, and oh, what, what was he was a kid from Roseanne. Roseanne. What was his name in Roseanne? I don't know, Question but yeah, he's a kid. So he's he's been in a lot of TV too. He stays yeah. pretty current uh, mm-hmm. in TV. Um, he's really funny in this movie. I think he's yeah, definitely he's my good. favorite. I kid. feel like he <laughs> gets comedy like i i think he's still pretty funny now yeah he had good instincts as a child but yeah he was probably comedy instinct wise a little ahead of his actual age because i feel like he's actually probably the age he's playing right like an actual not quite a teenager but like an actual boy Mm -hmm. but he's he gets it he's really funny his timing's perfect on a lot of these and his delivery is really good for a kid I agree. Yeah. Yeah. He's really good. So like in this scene, they, uh, they go look for a tree. The perfect, the perfect Griswold family Christmas tree. And Nick, do you want to talk a little bit about our experience together at my dad's house with a real Christmas tree? Um, I can, but I, I kind of want to sit back and let you tell it. Okay. Well, you, I'll, I'll, I'll set it up. (sighs) You wanted a real Christmas tree. I did. Not live because they're obviously been chopped down, but but you want it so bad. I'm like, you know what? As a kid, I think we've had one two times and it's a nightmare. <laughs> you do not want it. I know. You were right. But, but you insisted. So like me and my dad got real caught up in the moment and Nick used to live uh, with me and my dad when we first started dating. And like there was this place near our house that always had Christmas trees, like real Christmas trees you could buy. And so every year I just passed by it. And one year I was like, Dad, we should get a real tree. And he was like, oh, my gosh. It was it was just like so wholesome. I'm in the backseat like, no, don't do it. Yeah, Nick's like, no, I don't want to do this. So I'm we not go pick a tree. up anything. They yeah. didn't understand what I was saying at that point. He complained the entire process. Like, but we picked out the tree. He was there. And we bring it home. And it dies immediately. In fact, it dies so quickly. Like, we're so horrible at keeping it alive. I, I do want to say, like, I, I blame our inexperience. Well, we did, we did water it. It yeah. had water and everything. It's just they're so hard. You have to, like, almost be like a Christmas tree mancer or something. Because it's already <laughs> dying. Yeah, true. And, I mean, I don't know. I've never, as a kid, we never had good experience with, like, the the two, maybe three tree live trees we had and they, so i'm like no don't do it they joke about it in the movie but that's sap yeah it's everywhere that was a funny scene because <laughs> yeah. whenever he um they get the tree in the house which is i there's so much to this movie we, we're not even touching on but that scene was hilarious just like branches bursting through their windows but just that line is like it's a lot of sap and then I, I love the next scene where they don't reference the sap, but they're just, it's Clark and Ellen in bed, just kind of doing their normal thing. They're both reading a magazine or whatever, and everything is sticking to Clark's hand. And then pretty much they're like, all right, well, it's time for bed. And he like goes to turn the light off and then that sticks to him. And then like Ellen's hair sticks to him when he like, like reaches over to give her a kiss. And she's like, not plexed at all. She's like, yeah, well, it's Clark. 
It was oh, just, it was I just, thought I thought it was a joke about like because magazines used to have all those little inserts. No, it was right after the sap scene. Like he was oh, sticking because okay. like the 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 bedside table lamp stuck to his hand, and the, oh, all the magazine right. pages were sticking to him. It was just <laughs> funny because it right after that sap scene, they're like saying like, "Yep, it's he's covered in sap." That's true. It was really funny. Just just the way it was delivered because they weren't like they didn't tell you he's still covered in sap. They, like, just let you see it. And I thought that type of comedy is really funny. I agree. Yeah, I like that scene a lot. And it's like a throwback because, man, there was a time we were reading magazines in bed. That's yeah. kind of crazy. Now we have our phones. Yeah. Yeah, I don't buy magazines anymore. What's a magazine? <laughs> but, like, yeah, I, I just... Okay, so after <clears throat> we bought this Christmas tree and it died immediately, it, it became an emergency where we had to go buy... a. A fake tree. I think it was completely dead and brown, like, <laughs> three or four days before Christmas. I was sad. I was like, we have to fix this. <laughs> I felt bad, but I'm like, I told you this you would did. happen. You did. Yeah. You have to be, like, an arborist to keep them alive long enough to last through Christmas. Mm-hmm. No, I, I believe you now. I would not buy another one. <laughs> but uh, what's the next scene you want to talk about? Um... I feel like there's a few more scenes in between, but I think one scene that I thought was really funny and in the theater, it got a ton of laughs is when the in-laws first show up. Like everyone's kind of in a different room doing their own thing and you hear the doorbell ring. Oh, with Randy Quaid. And... Well, no, 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 no. Oh. Um, oh, with the uh, the parents. The parents. Yeah. And like every time they pan to like another family member, like the doorbell gets like lower and deeper, like. First is like ding ding, and then the next he's like ding ding, and then it like keeps going lower towards like just very like ominous. ominous yeah, yeah, it's like <laughs> like hell's bells or something, and then they finally open the door and it's the two in-law families like uh, Clark's mom and dad and Ellen's mom and dad, mm-hmm. and they like hate each other. So they're like arguing on the doorstep, and they open the door and they're already arguing, and they. They rush in and start complaining about everything. Yeah, no, I, I think that part's really that funny. Was, that was really good. Yeah. And that's I, this is where you, you finally get to meet the the two uh the two opposite ends of the spectrum. Like we're like you were saying earlier that she's probably from money. Because mm-hmm. like the uh her family seems like a little more well off and Clark's family is like a little more blue collar. Yeah, they're a little more salt of the earth yeah. kind of people. So, like I said, they open the door and they're already arguing with each other. And so that's funny. They have to, okay, welcome and welcome them in. And the kids are like, no, they can't have my room. And just typical oh, 80s gosh. kid stuff. I remember that, though, growing up, like, my room always got given away. And yuck, I hated that. They're like, you can <laughs> stay in there. It's like, I'll sleep on the floor somewhere. Heck no. Um, I'm trying to think. I feel like, um, oh, one one big pivotal thing we need to cover is they kind of pan back. This is a couple days before Christmas break. So Clark is at work. So there, there's a bunch of back and forth like, have you gotten the bonus yet? Uh, no, have you? Um, and so their, their boss walks up. It's a very like militant scene. Like all the, the lackeys yeah. behind him are uh, Mr. Shirley, I think. Frank Shirley. Yeah, which is one of the few Murrays that'll probably work with uh, Chase. 
Yeah, it's uh, uh, Bill Murray's brother. One of them. Brian Doyle Murray. Yeah. yeah. And so he's like, he always gets his name wrong. He's like Clark. And he's like, well, you have this, have this um, report for me by the end of the day, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's a big trade show. And so Clark tries really hard. They, they don't show this, but it's implied that Clark tries really hard to get the that report done for the trade show because he wants to show that he's he's a good employee. He really wants this bonus because what we don't know yet and the family doesn't know yet is he's taken out, not necessarily a loan, but no, he, he write, he's written a hot check um, to have a pool installed. That's the big main plot point of the movies is he wants to get a pool installed at the uh, the Griswold house and so pretty much they wanted a down payment so he had to write this big check but it's it's a hot check there's no <sighs> money in the bank which was a poor financial decision i yeah. just want to throw in there like he did not run this by his wife <laughs> yeah i mean and, like, you can wait a, a week to yeah. wait till you see the check like, but be smart once about again it. clark does dumb things he does he does and so <clears throat> we'll get into that later because they haven't or we can get into it now it's it's not really a movie it has to be in 100 percent order but so clark wants to have a pool installed for the summer. And he has written this contract or whatever. You don't see him, so it doesn't really matter. But he's he's written a check that he doesn't have the money for yet. Because he wants he wants the pool uh construction to start the second the ground thaws. <laughs> and so he's like desperately waiting for this um Christmas bonus, the whole movie. He's very antsy on top of all the other stuff that's going on with all the antics and everything yeah i agree it's funny because i again i feel like um i i tweeted about this but i'm like you know millennials like us nowadays like we would like to have a house much less a pool a house at all let alone like a big ass house like the griswold house it's a nice house. Yeah. Only only surpassed by the Home Alone house where, you know, they buy a Paris vacation for the entire family. If only they could see the future. They'll be like, like, oh, shit, we need to save this money. Yeah, we should We're not, doomed. We should not take the family to Paris. They don't appreciate we'll just it. Just buy them books. Get yeah. them educated. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I think the next really funny, memorable scene is the the installation of the lights and the whole like conundrum he's having with that ladder where it keeps falling on him and then he falls off the roof <laughs> he staples himself he staples himself he rips his sleeve off i don't know it's just i i consider that like smart slapstick because it's not like super stupid it's kind of funny you see it coming but you're well, just waiting very for modern it too. yeah like in a way that like if you watch like you know charlie chaplin or buster yeah. keaton like that's very slapsticky but not really relatable this is kind of like relatable slapstick yeah because you know what's going to happen and you essentially the, the the funny part is just you squirming in your seat or couch or wherever you see this waiting for whatever to go wrong to go wrong um but yeah he's like i said he stapled his sleeve and he falls off the ladder he falls off the the roof which was a great scene. He completely falls off the roof. And they've got a two-story house. Lands in the bushes. And all Ellen does, she comes out. She's like, Clark, dinner's ready. And he's like, <laughs> all right, dear. Well, she, she just turns around. She just turns around and walks back inside. She's like, nah, he probably fell off the roof. 
It happens a lot. It happens a lot. But yeah, I, I really like that. I feel like that's kind of old school classic comedy. Like I said, slapsticky, but a little, it's like a little more intelligent because they, mm-hmm. they lead up to it more. Um, but speaking of slapstick, kind of jumping really far ahead is when the family goes shopping, but he gets locked up in the attic. I always forget about the scene when we rewatch the movie. This is a good scene because I feel like this this scene, even though it happens in the middle of the movie, sets up the movie. No, I agree. But so he gets locked in the scene. And I say slaps it because he steps on that board like four times. <laughs> and it's very like Three Stooges where he steps on this board and it keeps hitting him in the face. And it's really dumb, but I think it's really funny. And he finally best is bests the board and uh he's he's really cold because he gets locked in the attic so he puts on all these old clothes well he sees everyone go christmas shopping without him and And they don't hear him so the wife is like ellen is like we should wait for him and her dad's like no oh yeah he's like oh it's it's a funny line it's like i can't i need to eat to take my back pills in her face when he says that she's like <laughs> okay. He's like, he's got a car. And so uh so yeah, Clark's trapped up in the attic. For some reason the attic door won't open from the inside. Well his uh his mother or her mother like shuts it. Yeah. Which is the uh the the mom from um Everyone Loves Raymond. Okay, so so she's like she walks in after Clark goes up into the attic. She's like, Ooh, it's cold. And she's like, Oh and she closes the attic door. For some reason that locks it. So he's trapped up there, and then the family goes shopping. And so Clark, some funny stuff happens, and um, he he finds a a chest up there with some clothes. So he puts it on because he's cold, and then he finds some old like reels, like like actual film reels, sinister style. I'm just kidding. Yeah, real sinister. <laughs> this is where the movie gets <laughs> I, fucked I up. Think, I think about the movie yeah. sinister. And so this is where you were saying earlier. This this is kind of a nod back to the original story. Where he finds a 50s, film reel yeah. that says Christmas 55, I think. Okay, and so he's watching that. And like I said, this is what sets up the whole movie. He's seeing, like, little boy Clark, like, enjoying the best Christmas ever that he remembers. And so he's like, this. And he's, like, crying. There's a tear. He's like, this is what I want to give my family. This is what I'm going for. This whole time I've been trying to achieve this perfect Christmas. And of course, by now they the family arrives back home. They open the door, and he falls out, and more slapstick comedy <laughs> ensues. But you, you kind of you get the idea. You're like, okay, now I get Clark. I understand why he's trying so hard to appease his kids that think he's dumb, and his in laws that think he's like dumb. But you you kind of you understand where he's coming from now. He's he really means well. He like he wants his whole family to have the best Christmas that he remembers himself having. So then later, probably later this night, cause, cause he keeps having trouble to get his, um, his Christmas lights to, to turn on and he can't figure it out. And the in-laws are making fun of him and his mom and dad are like, Oh, I'm sure it's beautiful. And he's, everyone's like, Oh, Clark, I'm like I said, the in-laws make fun of him. His parents are like, Oh, Clark, I'm sure it's beautiful. His wife is like, oh, don't worry, Spark, because that's the nickname in the movie. She always called him Sparky. She's like, Sparky, I'm sure you'll figure it out. The kids are like, oh, don't worry, Dad, you'll you'll get this. 
And then Cousin Eddie is there. Randy Quaid. Randy Quaid. Eddie's like, oh, Clark, I'm sure it's a beauty or whatever. He's like, Eddie? And then Cousin Eddie says some more stuff. He's like, Eddie? It's just (laughs) such a good scene because, like, Cousin Eddie is, like, the definition of, like, the worst family member ever. But he's so likable. Um, He means well. He's a good guy. But he's always perpetually down on his luck. But he's like the past that Clark is trying to leave behind, yeah, right? He, because he wants he, to impress I feel like his he wife and his family. A true Griswold, like he's yeah. kind of very—he's <laughs> poor. He's lives out of a trailer because he lost the home, and yeah, you get the impression even from like the home videos, really from the whole movie, is that he came from a lower middle class family, very blue collar. Yeah. yeah, like his dad was probably a factory worker or something. Yeah, given the the fifties timeline, and like he he has elevated himself by da- by getting the job that he has. Yeah, he's got like an office job, Christmas bonuses, yeah. and all that, and like his wife. And so, like, even the Christmas bonus, I feel like, is a tremendous weight on him of, like, I have to prove to the in-laws, to my wife, to everyone that, like, I have transcended being related to his brother. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, but Clark's parents are really sweet. They're very down-to-earth, though. They're, they're, they're past all that. Yeah, like, they've but been then through all that. there's Eddie. Eddie is what he's trying to escape. Yes. Which just brings a whole nother level to this movie. Oh, definitely. Which is so good. Eddie and his his wife, which is real sweet. There are two kids, which are also sweet but weird. And then they've got this like big ass Rottweiler snots. It's, like, I, I do kind of watch the movie, and I'm like, I feel like we're them because we have like the dogs. The dogs. We have a pug. He sneezes <laughs> yeah. a lot, and he, yeah. they they both fart, and they're not trained well. They're not classy. They pee a lot. <laughs> But uh, Eddie is, I feel like for this type of movie, you would not want him as your brother, but he's like the perfect character to introduce like halfway through a film. You're like, oh yeah, by the way, he's a good person. Oh yeah, Eddie's a good guy. Yeah. You know, part of Clark's character arc is realizing like what's actually important around Christmas. So. And Eddie's just oblivious. Yeah. So now we've got Eddie in the picture and that's just bunch of other stuff he's got this nasty ass rusty tree um winnebago that which again i'm like 2018 yeah winnebago would be nice even eddie's like looking pretty good in 2018 (laughs) seriously um i think now that we've got eddie in the picture and the whole family literally the whole family's here one scene that's i think is like hilarious is the sled scene oh my god (laughs) It's so this okay. This is like, like cartoonishly, <laughs> really like cartoon comedy that they threw in here, which is hilarious. So they're all doing like they went to this little like park or whatever, and everyone's sledding. And Clark's got one of those uh like disc style sleds, uh, sled disc. I don't know what they're called. We don't have them here in Texas. We're lucky to see an inch of ice, and everything <laughs> and shuts down. And it's. It's a disaster. Yeah, it's a disaster. <laughs> they see a snowflake and like buildings explode here. Um, but so he's like he's like rubbing this chemical on it, like a Teflon something. I don't know. He says like his that his business came out. Yeah, his right, company's yeah. working on some non-stick coating or whatever, Teflon coating for whatever. So he's rubbing this shit all over this like this big um disc that you can slide down a hill on. 
and um, everyone's like, I don't know, that's this little iffy, and and this Eddie's like, well, you know, I've got that metal plate in my head, but every time <laughs> we use the microwave, I peed myself and forgot who I was, so they changed it to plastic, so I don't trust it anymore. <laughs> Is it just me or were metal plates in your head like a big thing? That was a big thing. Remember like Pete and Pete? (laughs) Yeah. And like every, that was a a running gag in the 80s and 90s. It was, yeah. But the funny thing was Clark was like, oh, well, if you damage it, I don't think there's there's anything to worry about. And Eddie was like, well, I've got this real nice part. (laughs) And if anything happens to that, I don't know what I would do, Clark. So that was pretty funny. He's like worried about his part more than his brain. Yeah, Clark's like, would it even matter? Yeah. And so finally, this was like a good 10 or probably about a five minute lead up. But Clark finally like puts the sled down. He gets down. And the the we were seeing this in theater. So the guy next to us preemptively like says the line like, later, dudes. Like right before <laughs> Clark takes off. He, it's so it's cheesy. It's such a dad, thing, dad yeah. joke type thing to say. And it's like the funniest thing ever. He like shoots off at like mock five or whatever and it's he's just flying through everything it's just such a funny scene i'm, I'm pretty sure every if you haven't seen the movie you've probably seen this a or at clip, least yeah. a clip or a gif of like chevy chase f- flying down a, a hill on a, a little metal sled thing that it it does not add to the story at all it's just no, something it <laughs> funny they put in there, and I think it's hilarious. He, like, flies all the way, like, down the hill across, like, the freeway. I think he, like, crashes into, like, a Walmart, like, clothing donation box or something like that. So it's just it's just funny. That's, that's just a funny scene. Like I said, it is. no story behind it, no leading impact, just, just comedy, and it's really funny. Um... And they kind of, they bring it back like 15 or 20 minutes later where you see like the disc and the garbage, but it's like the whole bottom is burnt out. <laughs> but which is funnier when you watch the movie because you don't, you kind of forget about it after 15 minutes and then you see it again. Yeah. Um, going forward, you, you see a very, you, you see kind of like a, um, a, a tender moment. He's looking outside and kind of like the, the he's looking at where he wants the pool and he sees the family all out there enjoying the pool and the family kind of disappears and it's just this lady that he met earlier, the this um, sales lady and she's like in this red, I don't think it's a bikini, it's something, but she's like, the movie's PG-13, but she like takes the top part off, you don't see anything <laughs> yeah. and he's like, he's getting excited because he's imagining all this. And then, he's like, once I get this bonus, just yeah, what is this bonus, yeah, come, come my way. But so he's just staring out this window, just not paying attention. But um, cousin Eddie's his little daughter's kind of snuck downstairs, and she sees she sees him, and she's like, Uncle Clark, and that surprises them and bring brings them back to reality. But this is like a very sweet scene where she's she's like, well, I don't. I don't know. If, I don't believe in Santa. It's the whole I don't believe in Santa thing. And Clark's like, well, you know what? If if it if it's anything to you, Santa stops by our house every year. And she's kind of believing him. And she's like, well, I I asked for some stuff last year and I didn't get it. Something like that. So he's like, well, you know what? I'm pretty sure whatever you want, you're gonna get this year. 
And so Aww. that's really nice. He he comforts her and sends her back to bed. Yeah. And then I think the next scene, he, he tells Ellen, he's like, we got to get, we got to get them some stuff because I don't think Eddie's gotten any gifts for the kids. So you kind of, you see a very um, sweet side, sweet side of Clark at this point. You see like the very competitive side and you see the kind of sleazy side and the very oblivious side. You see a lot of different parts to this character, which is kind of cool. Which makes him more realistic. Because I feel like a normal person is going to have a bunch of quirks and flaws and, you know. But so you see this really nice part of him. He's like, you know what? We need to get Eddie's kid some gifts. Which is is really cool of of the character to do. Um, Which also leads into another funny scene is where they're at like a Walmart or something. And he's like, well, we want we want to get the kids something. We know we don't know if you can afford it this year, so we're going to get them. And the whole time Clark and Eddie are having this conversation, he's like loading the cart up with like, I want to say like a dozen different dog food bags for <laughs> snots. Like literally like 80 pound bags of food, like three and four at a time. So you, then Eddie's like, well, I've got a list of what they could use. And it's like this real long list of it's kind of like, uh, Eddie knew they were going to buy him gifts, Offer probably. It, yeah. yeah. But, um, so, okay, we're not done with all the family yet. The grandparents show up. Um, Grandpa Lewis and his wife, which is, I think she's probably going through, like, dementia or something. She's That's like, Betty Boop, right? The voice of Betty Yeah, Boop. the original voice of Betty Boop. And she's really funny, though. So, she's not all there she's wrapped up the cat and everything and the jello mold um but grandpa lewis is really funny he's always has a cigar in his mouth that weird toupee that terrible toupee that real distinct voice he's like very very funny he's a very like old school character okay so now they're also in the the scene the uh the house and um there's a there's a part where they're all eating dinner and he goes over to look at the christmas tree and he's smoking a cigar and once a very funny not real comedy he lights a cigar and it torches the tree and so the tree's like torched completely gone and so clark is like oh my tree you burnt my tree i think he says that just like that and so pretty much clark has like had it by now he goes outside chops down a tree out front why didn't you just do that to begin with that was a nice tree their second tree was really nice Mm -hmm. and so he brings another tree in and so they're having dinner later or no 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 they're all sitting by the fire and uh the grandma's like what's that sound it's a weird squeaking sound and they're all like, oh, you're, it's nothing. They're like, no, I hear it too. There's like a squirrel in the tree. And so there's a whole scene where like the squirrel jumps out of the tree and snots the Rottweilers chasing it around the house. And the whole family's running around. Um, some characters we forgot to mention are their neighbors. Oh yeah. Which I don't know who the guy is, but the Louise the woman is Louise Dreyfus, which is uh, Elaine from Seinfeld, and she's hilarious. But they're like everything Clark does, like 
destroys their house. Well, because they're the young yuppie couple yeah, that decided the, not to have kids and don't have their and family over. And in the over. 80s, you're like a piece of shit if yeah, you think like, that way. So it's, it's okay if your yeah. like, house is destroyed for this reason. <laughs> but no, so she like comes over there because whenever Clark cut down the Christmas tree from their yard, their front yard, it like fell over and smashed through their window, the, the neighbor's window. And so she goes over there to confront them. And they're all having the squirrel situation. And so pretty much they manage to get the squirrel to run out of the door. But right when she's knocking on the door, he opens the door and the squirrel jumps on her. Therefore, the Rottweiler jumps on her. So this just another funny scene. Doesn't have anything to do with the overall plot. But just, <laughs> no. Just something funny. Um, I think a, another slightly um later scene is the next morning where clark's looking out the window and it's the classic shitter's full scene yeah where eddie's just like <laughs> dumping like the waste from their like rv's toilet into the the regular storm drain which comes up comes into play later clark's like you can't do that that's that's like toxic waste pretty much you can't put that just a regular storm drain but it's 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 forgotten for for a while. So pretty much the whole family is together, and Clark is getting noticeably more irritated as the mm -hmm. the couple yeah. days go on because he's really waiting on this bonus. Um, so I think the it's the last day of work for Clark, and he's he's in his office. Uh, he asks his coworker from earlier, "Hey, have you have you got the bonus yet?" And he's like, no, but I think I think my son said there was a courier at the, the house. So Clark is like, oh, I'm sure that'll be the the bonus. And so he goes home. There's no bonus. And I think this is shortly after the squirrel scene we're just talking about. But like some little pimply face kid shows up. He's like, oh, I'm sorry. I was supposed to deliver this yesterday, but it fell between the seats but here it is yeah so it, it like really heightens the tension of like oh here's the bonus yeah, yeah. so you've he's been off for two days now and still nothing so so it's a letter from his work and he's like oh this is it and everyone's like What's, well what is it what's wrong clark so before he opens it he decides to tell his family the plan and his wife is, like, not excited about it. Yeah, because he's been trying to keep it a secret. Because he's like, I've been planning. I'm going to put in a pool. This bonus is going to pay for the down payment. But he, he emphasizes that, like, he was really counting on it. Yeah, he's like, we. this is where he he's he admits that he pretty much wrote a hot check. He's like, yeah. oh, I, I had to prepay for all this to, to get it started when the ground thaws. And I didn't have the money in the bank until this comes in. Pan over to Ellen. She's like, ooh, 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 boy. <laughs> and so he opens it. He's like, visibly gets more and more distraught. Yeah, his his brother's like, is it bigger than you thought? Oh, no, she's, his wife does. Oh, yeah, you're right. She's like, bigger than you thought? <clears throat> and he reads the letter, and apparently it's like just a subscription to some stupid magazine club or something like that I, I can't remember exactly but it's something real lame um and so he like freaks out and goes on this big tangent he's 
I, I wish I knew the rant, the first rant, because there's two rants in the movie, two, two rants. But he's like, I wish if he was here with a, I, I wish da 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 some some dog lip da 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 blah blah blah. I wish he was here with a bow on top. And so knowing the movie, Eddie's like, I'll be right back. But not knowing it, you're like, mm, where'd Eddie go? But so pretty much. Eddie is going to his boss's house. Mm-hmm. How he got the address, you could say it's on the letter. That's true. Even though it would be addressed from the company. Yeah. But I did hear this argue, that argument. And in the movie, I noticed Clark did say where he lived. He's like, uh, all those other fat cats living over in such and such, whatever. How he got the actual address. I, I love know. how this is like a conspiracy. It's a conspiracy. I need to know how Eddie found out where Mr. What's-His-Face's house is. So Eddie takes off. And if you've seen the movie, you know where this is going. Eddie's going to kidnap him. He's going to tie him up and put a big bow on his head. Eddie shows back up with Clark's boss tied up with a bow on top. Just like Clark had requested. And so that's funny. He was like all upset and Clark's able to kind of yell at him, give him a piece of his mind. He's like, well, I was, ex- we were counting on this bonus. A lot of people probably were, and you shaft everyone. This is the rant. I wish I knew where he's like, da, 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 da. hallelujah. Holy shit. Merry Christmas. Where's the Tylenol? Cause like, he's like, okay, my Christmas is ruined. My brother Eddie kidnapped my boss. Yeah. I'm fired. I'm sure the cops are on the way here now. Everything is fucked. And it's just such a great... He's like pounding that eggnog. And so pretty much the the cops show up. They like SWAT teams crashing through the window. By now they've talked to him. And he realizes cutting the bonus this year was a shitty idea. So the okay, so the cops. Even his come, wife is like, "How dare you?" Yeah, the cops come in, and then the uh, Mister Shirley's like, "No, it's been a big misunderstanding." Then he tells his wife, "You remember how I was toying around with the idea of not doing Christmas bonuses?" He's like, "You wouldn't." And then one of the funniest lines is the police commissioner, whoever he was in charge. He's like, "You cut their. You didn't do a bonus." Well, uh, sir, if I had a rubber hose, I would. And it just yeah. kind of cuts out. It's like implying like, well, yeah, you were kidnapped and everything, but but you were the bad guy here. Yeah, they make it clear. They make it really funny. And so they pretty much make light of the fact that Eddie kidnapped this guy. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to triple your bonus from last year or whatever. So the pool is saved and the holidays are saved. And everyone's having a good time, but Grandpa Lewis goes out front. Oh yeah! By the storm drain where Eddie was dumping the shitter tube, and Clark has probably said like two or three times in the movie, "It's like, oh, oh man, we can't. What's that smell? We can't open a a lit flame." And so, kind of like how Uncle Lewis burned the tree down earlier in the movie, he lights a cigar. And it explodes all these like talk this uh, human waste fumes or whatever coming out of the thing, and Uncle Lewis explodes into the front yard, and it 
blows up the little Christmas uh, Santa Claus with the reindeer, and they go flying across the sky, and um, Eddie's kids see the the reindeer fly across the moon, kind of like an E.T. style scene, and they're like, it does exist, it's Santa, he's real. And it's it's just funny, it's like, Grandpa Lewis is on fire, Santa's flying across the moon on fire, the whole SWAT team is there, and they're all like singing Christmas carols. Mm-hmm. It's just—it's a funny way to end the movie. It's like I agree. Everything leads up to such a failure, and then it ends the best way it possibly could. On like, the high note, yeah, yeah. Like Clark gets his bonus. The family has a great Christmas. Everyone is there. They're all like enjoying each other's company. Clark's crazy Christmas lights worked. Um. Like I said, he, he got the bonus. He's getting the pool. Um, the boss isn't mad at him anymore. He didn't lose his job. Yeah. It's it's all around great 80s fun. I agree. And it's yeah. So, it wraps it's, up really well. Yeah, it wraps. It, I mean, not realistically, but it's no. really funny the way everything kind of comes full circle. It's exactly what Clark was wanting. It was the it turned out to be the perfect Christmas because all those shenanigans leading up until this pretty much involve the entire family mm-hmm. to where everyone is going to have a really fond Christmas memory of the Griswold Christmas 89. Yep. No, I agree. It's a very good wrap up. It, it does. It wraps everything up pretty well. Yeah. I mean, there's so much stuff we didn't even touch in this movie because, it, like I said, it's from start to finish. It's just nothing but jokes. I agree. But it's, there's, it's very funny. We should do like a follow-up next year where we try to touch on everything we didn't get to and it would I'm probably fill that. up another entire yeah. episode. Yeah. Well, that brings me to my last couple of questions. Uh, what keeps you coming back to this movie? Why would you want to do a second episode? Well, I think next Christmas, next year... I will be one year older, and so I'm hoping it will be even funnier when I watch it next year. Because like I said earlier, it seems like every time I watch it, even though we don't have kids, we don't have the the traditional nuclear family, this movie gets funnier every time I see it, the older I get. No, I agree. That That is a big factor for me. Yeah, it's funny consistently every time i can quote it now most most of the lines i can quote and it does not get old it ages well very some jokes don't but the movie overall ages very well yeah what would you say to someone that's never seen the movie before these christmas movies that like poke fun of how stressful christmas is are hilarious because we all feel this way but overall, Chris, what Christmas is really about, it's about friends and family and being there for each other. And it's just, I feel like that's what this movie encompasses. It's like everything goes wrong for Clark. But in the end, he's a good person. He's good to his family. He's trying really hard to make the best Christmas ever. And he kind of somehow does it. Yeah, I think it's kind of like that thing where, you know, as a kid, you remember Christmas so fondly. Yeah. But then as an adult, you an adult, realize you're like, oh, that was hard to it's do. It's hard. It's yeah. so expensive. It's stressful. I don't, I, I can't afford that. I, they yeah. don't have this. I got to do this and this. It's, but it's, it's kind of like, but you're, you're not, Christmas isn't really for yourself, you know? Yeah. It's for everyone else other than you. So if you can give someone else a good Christmas, 
and someone else can give you a good Christmas. That's like what it's really about. It's about family and friends. Yeah, I think in the end, it's like what made all those Christmases so good was his family. It was being there with all of his family, his mom, his dad, his, his brother, Eddie, when they were kids. And they probably had a great Christmas every year, not knowing what the stress his parents were under (laughs) you've said stress like 100 it's a christmas episode (laughs) yeah but he remembers it fondly because of that stress his family was able to give him and his brother really great christmases Mm -hmm. and that's what he remembers and that's what he's trying to give to his family yeah i i would say it's a very good classic christmas story but it's funny and it's kind of it's realistic too yeah it's not like I mean, it's not like Oliver Twist, or not Oliver Twist. It's not like a Christmas story or a Christmas carol where like Scrooge is terrible and he learns the meaning of Christmas or whatever. It's kind of like he loves Christmas and everything is going bad, but he tries so hard and everyone else is like kind of keeps giving him a bunch of chances that he's able to give them a really good Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a good feel good Christmas movie. Really and I, I recommend it. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah. I really like it. I think if 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 you've dealt with regular real day Christmases, this movie's a little over the top because it's a comedy, but it definitely touches like real issues. So Nick, thank you so much for coming on this episode. And where can people find you? Um, well, not well. I guess I guess somewhat movie related. I do a lot of prop work. Not in movies i would like to but i I do prop <laughs> replicas of a lot of movie stuff and video games um you can find me pretty much on all the mediums uh at wardco props that is w-a-r-d-c-o props um like i said on all mediums that is uh good for facebook twitter and uh instagram and you can see all the the stuff i've done there uh prop work and uh, progress stuff and things I'm working on and things I've done. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming back. These episodes are always super fun. They are fun. They are. And uh, I hope you come back soon and I hope everyone out there has a Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas, guys. Have a happy Griswold family Christmas. Heck yeah. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.